0: We're happy to be in God's house this morning. I want to welcome each one of you. Especially want to welcome those of you that are viewing today. We pray that God is blessing you and your homes. And we are so honored that you would be part of this great Sunday morning service as we come together. An exciting week. This week I will be leading a team of 26 workers. We will be leaving on Friday for Alaska. Next Sunday is Mission Sunday. We're going to have a very special missions emphasis here in this service, uh, one that you will enjoy and one that you'll be challenged in. As we go to the Alaskan District Camp, it is a camp that we've had multiple times to invest in it as a church. The dividends are so great because of the young people who come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Attached to my letter this week, uh, I hope that you received a copy of the news story of the camp that we are going to uh, following some earthquake disaster that took place there. I am so blessed that we have such a wonderful team, and I am so grateful for the work that is going to be done. And speaking about missions, it's good this morning that we have Roman and Jan Estefanu with us, and uh, you'll be hearing from them at the end of the service, I've asked them to do the benediction. They are great uh, missionaries of the Wycliffe Bible Translators, and they are globe trotters, and we're happy they landed here at their home church this morning, and it's good to have them back with us so exciting things that are taken place and speaking about things that are ahead I just want to say thank you for last Sunday's service with John Ashcroft and Joy Wooten I hope that you've remembered the scriptures that we studied so diligently in the evening um, service uh, there was a service in Rogers Arkansas that I was uh, blessed to be part of, and uh, where John led uh, that service, and it was a great day. And I thank God that we had the opportunity to honor the ultimate Father. Praise the Lord. We have just completed a study on the sower in the seed, one of the parables that uh, Jesus gives us in the New Testament. Today, we continue the thought of parables of Jesus. Today, we look at a very interesting parable. It's that of the one that deals with the wheat and the tares. Some of you may know it as the wheat and the weeds. And Jesus told this story to point out that there are people that are in the church who have infiltrated our ranks. While there is wheat, there is also tares. While there is wheat, there is also weeds. And oftentimes, we don't know who they are or who it is. And you could find the weeds sitting right next to you in any church service. For sure, you can find them in the world. The person may be sitting beside you, and I don't want you to evaluate those that are around you at this moment, but uh, they could be sitting. uh, Let me just say this. They could be sitting beside you in your pew. We're not in pews this morning, so that's a safe statement. They may sing the same song that you sing. These individuals may breathe the same air that you're breathing. And while others are sitting around you, there could be unbelievers that are sitting beside you. And in a congregation such as this, one may be wheat and one may be a tare or a weed. We always have people who have and, uh, just kind of Uh, merged into our ranks, the Christian ranks, like Ananias and Sapphira and Judas Iscariot and individuals throughout God's word that undermined the word of God. But it's not our job to figure out who these people are and to weed these people out. It's very difficult for you and I to evaluate and to see and to understand a person's heart. And our concern should not be who the hypocrites are, but whether or not we ourselves are hypocrites. Our job is to take care of ourselves, to take heed, and to make sure that we are true believers, that we are followers of Jesus Christ. The text that we look at today is in the book of Matthew. It's in the 13th chapter, and we look at verses 24 through 30. The scripture says that Jesus told them another parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, do you... Or didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, do you want us to go and to pull them out? No, he answered. Because while you were pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Or the wheat with them. Let both grow together until harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters. First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then, gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. If Jesus was to return in the next few moments, would this building be completely empty? A question that we can think about. Will everyone who goes to church, will they all go to heaven? Will every member of Evangel Temple make it? I would like to think so. I would like to think if the rapture took place, this would be an empty facility. And on this Sunday morning, things would just be empty. The room would be completely cleared out. Wouldn't that be wonderful if Jesus would return in the next few minutes? But according to this parable, as I read it, it seems like that could be highly unlikely. It's a simple parable, but it carries with it profound truths. It goes like this. A good farmer sowed good seed on good ground. But while he slept, an enemy came and sowed tares or, or, or weeds among the wheat. I get so irritated when I go out and look at my fescue grass on my front lawn. And there's some Bermuda in it. You know what that's like. I see a lot of people that have lost their sanctification over that. They're nodding their heads. Because it seems like that Bermuda grass just takes over. It comes in. And then when you go and investigate, the seed place will tell you, well, some of the seed got somehow got in with your fescue. And what a job, because it creeps through and it takes over. It seems like your whole yard, even though it may be just a strand and here we find that a farmer sows good seed on good ground but while he sleeps the enemy comes in and sows tares among the wheat a tear, a tear is a poisonous weed that looks a lot by the way like wheat in the early stages of its beginning I understand that if it's eaten by a person or an animal, and I've never tried to do this, that you become nauseated and there's convulsions and there's certain circumstances that follow the eating of that plant, even to death. This was a spiteful act of malice as I see it. When I look at this text, I find out that the enemy had nothing to gain here except to ruin the wheat crop of this farmer by Jesus own explanation he is speaking of believers and unbelievers that are living side by side in the world from my visits to Israel and also my trips through Kansas and as many of you you know you've seen wheat you know what it looks like when it grows but wheat and tares are two plants that look so much alike, so much alike. We're all familiar with the wheat that we see along the roadside. Most of us can identify it. But in Palestine, there's a plant that's called the Darnell that looks very much like both wheat and ryegrass, especially in the early stages of its growth. And as Jesus speaks to this crowd, they have an object lesson that they can easily identify with. As soon as the wheat begins to form grains, however, the difference becomes pretty obvious in today's text. The fact that the tares of the weeds were so plentiful throughout the field makes it very obvious that someone did this. This was not the work of a bird flying by with some seeds on its wings that happened to drop in a field or the wind blew some seeds to that field. It's obvious that this was a deliberate act on the part of the enemy because of its hatred for the owner. The roots of these plants become so closely intertwined that it is extremely difficult to tell where one root begins and the other root ends. The servants, they want to pull this all up. Somewhat like I do, and I've been blamed at least for doing this, pulling out the good plants with the bad plants. What happened to this plant? What happened to my bleeding heart? I don't know what happened to it. Perhaps I pulled it up, I guess, when I was pulling weeds. The servants want to do the same thing. So they come to the boss, they come to the owner, they come to the farmer, because they're concerned about the nutrients being sapped away from the good grain. Uh, The the, the weeds are vulnerable to parasites. And the grain that comes from them, I've already explained, it'll make you dizzy, it'll make you sick. The farmer, he wisely says to these hands, hey, don't touch a thing. The solution was to wait until the harvest time and then separate them, storing the wheat in the barn and then burning up the weeds. An interesting note as I read this text, at least it comes to my attention, is that... um, The weeds that grow, and as the plant matures, the stalks on the plants obviously become longer. And the stalks of the wheat bow because of the weight of the mature grain. The tares of the weeds, on the other hand, grow straight up and true and never bow as the time of harvest approaches. May we be individuals that as the fruit is bearing in our life, that we would always bow before our master, that we would always humbly submit ourselves before our master. Jesus plants believers together in this world. We sit here together as believers here at Evangel Temple, and we we surround ourselves with four core values We worship together. We serve together. We invite together and we also connect together. We need that. And we need that for fellowship, for discipleship, for ministry and growth. And the enemy, on the other hand, has people who look like believers, who are not believers, but he plants them in the world beside us, plants them next to us, and right along beside the children of God. What a picture of true believers and false believers in a world. And even in the church, as we read this text, the tares appropriately um, represent those who live by any false beliefs, those that follow false religion, whether if it be denying God or trying to be God on their own power. The tares could be an individual trying to do their own thing while they even know that it's against the principles and the word of God. And then some are in between. But the weed, of course, represents those who know. Hopefully, each one of us that sit here today, those of you that are viewing today, I hope that we are considered wheat because we understand and live by the truth that is only through Jesus Christ, the one that can save us, the one that can transform our life, the one who has paid for the penalty of our sin, which is eternal separation from God and eternal torment. Jesus Christ has done that for the wheat. And I pray that we may find ourselves as wheat flourishing Jesus has been very specific here in telling this parable. As we have already seen here in verse number 38, the word field represents the world. And what this tells us is that we are not to separate ourselves. I know there are texts that say to separate ourselves from the things of this world. But it is impossible for us to insulate ourselves from the world. And so therefore we ourselves can have great influence upon unbelievers that we come into contact with. To live our lives fully and completed, completely devoted to Jesus Christ. That we may bear the fullness of the fruit that he gives us to yield and let God do the separating and let God do the punishing on the final day. I pray that we may be those that will be separated and brought to the barn that we would not be those that are burnt up like the weeds. We are to be loving. We are to be kind. We are to be accepting of of people that God places in our life, even though they, they may be quite different than we are. And yet, even in this, we are to do so in love. For we do not know where that person stands with God and where they will stand on the final day. The interpretation of this parable, we are not left hanging, but as we look at the text and continue on, we see here in Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 36 and on, the scripture says, then he, Jesus, left the crowd. He went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Jesus answers, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is in the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire. So it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. God help each one of us that we may accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That we would be the product of fruit and bearing God's righteousness. It's very interesting that Jesus is pretty patient as he shares this parable. Very patient. There are obviously weeds in his kingdom, yet he says calmly. He says slowly, methodically, let them grow together with the wheat. My father will take care of the weeds. The weeds are the people of the evil one according to the 38th verse here that we have just read jesus does not want these weeds pulled up because you might upset and damage the wheat while pulling on the weeds let them grow together in the harvest in the harvest the wheat when it's ready to be harvested you see christians sometimes we can become very quick to attack evil when it's observed and there are many that suffer from what we may call evil or things that may not be quite what we would like to see in, in our own families, in our own worlds. Quick to condemn sin, quick to cast out devils. We can be quick to identify sinners and we can be quick to dismiss people that we see as dangerous, etc. And there's no way that I'm suggesting here that you and I should tolerate sin. There's no way that I'm saying that we should give in to false teachers and allow them to do their thing and allow demons to harass individuals. I'm saying to be sensitive to perhaps a different approach. I think Jesus is teaching us something here, and that is to nourish the wheat, which may be a better strategy in many cases. Teach people to repent from their sins, love people, surround them, be by them, give them a godly influence as long as we possibly can. If a person's been involved in ministry for any length of time, you know you just can't tell a person to repent from their sin and expect them to do it just like that. You see, people usually will resist that action of repentance. We must help them to understand how valuable their life is to God and show them God's unconditional love and demonstrate that within our own hearts. Encourage them to overcome their failures and appropriate grace in order to live a life that honors God. Pray that God and the power of the Holy Spirit will penetrate their hearts. You see, we... Tend to attack the weeds rather than nourish the wheat. One day will be a day when we do the things that we do in life. For the last time, the things that we usually do. Make the bed, take a bath, brush our teeth. We won't realize it until we're flying through the air. That Jesus Christ has come and he has raptured us. God has not left us here on this earth to take up space, but God has left us with a very specific thing for him to do, and that is to bear fruit. If you read my letter this week, I want to share a story with you, a recent encounter that Lil and I had. It was a sobering experience, and it gives me cause to remember that life is just a vapor, a vapor. It took place on Thursday afternoon of June 10th. It was at Estes Park, Colorado. Lil and I had lunch with E.T.'s Robert and Carol Burns, who spend their summer in Estes Park. We had a very nice afternoon lunch. It was on the deck of the Estes Park Lake Lodge, on the deck that overlooked Estes Lake. We enjoyed watching the pontoon boats and the rental boats. It was 90 plus degrees. Where I was sitting over to my left, there was a marina where people could rent boats. We watched the boats and watched individuals leave that place. Within 15 minutes after saying goodbye to Robert and Carol, we left the lodge to return to Denver. In our southbound trip, we were interrupted by high-speed vehicles going northbound. These vehicles were first-response vehicles, emergency vehicles. The sirens were wailing. Uh, Two of them had rafts on the back and, and search boats. It was evident there was a problem. We learned later that one of the pontoon boats that we had previously watched, we didn't give a whole lot of attention to it. It was quite visible to us. But there were four young people. They were in their 20s. And one of them fell in the water and drowned. The lesson is, is that life may seem long to us, but it isn't. It may seem like we have all the time in the world, but we don't know that for sure. You see, life is like a vapor. We're here one day, and then we are gone the next. May God help us to live in such a way that we realize that we may not have it tomorrow and give maximum godly effort To the day that we live. That we give our praise and thanksgiving to God. And not reflect on our yesterdays. Or cast too much out in the future. But understand that God's will. Will be done. And we must do all things. That God has created us to do. Do what he has put in your heart. And do it well. Living knowing that your life is a vapor. And it's drastically different. Than just living. When we understand that our time is short. In response to the report from the search committee this morning. I want you to know that I want to manage my time well. I want to manage my time well for this hour. This hour that I'm called to be the shepherd of evangel temple. But yet at the same time I want to be very sensitive to the power and the will of the Holy Spirit. I'm committed to remain in my position as lead pastor of Evangel Temple as long as I am needed and until the Lord replaces me with a replacement that's acceptable to the membership of this church. If need to be, I've committed to my full term. And I give you that commitment. I want to be in God's will and what God would have for this church. And I am grateful for the prayers I'm grateful for each one of you and for the continued prayers as well as for a committee that works diligently. You see, Paul writes in different places throughout the scripture the importance on how we manage our time, how we look at our life and how we conduct our life, how we act out the convictions and the messages that God gives us, and the importance of looking to him and methodically following his will. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the sixth verse, Paul says, redeem the time. In 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the second verse, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. Are we producing wheat in our daily lives? Life is a vapor. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul shares this. He says, his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labor even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. We can thank God, viewers today, those that sit here for the grace that God exercised. And Paul warns us that our minutes on earth must count for eternity. Let us all be faithful, faithful caretakers of the breath that God has given each one of us, that we would produce a great crop. I'm excited, and I I thank uh, Julia and Pete for their part and willingness to help with the Billy Graham crusade. I think it's a a wonderful opportunity for this church, and I encourage you to talk to this couple and, and find out when those dates are and Go to one of those evening classes. It'll be good for you, not only for the crusade, but for the rest of the time God gives you here on this earth. Billy Graham once said that the greatest mission field has been the roll books of churches for him. He cited that of the many thousands saved under his ministry, 70% are church members, the weeds, the tares, they were tares among the wheat, but they got saved and their lives changed. Thank God. Examine yourself today and whether ye be in the faith or you may be a weed. No one likes to be called a weed or a tare. I'm not here to shake anyone's faith this morning, but then again, I guess I am here to examine my own faith and to shake my own life, but to proclaim the truth of Jesus parable for your sake we must look at this if you have insurance or assurance then I do not doubt it you must know that yourself the Lord may return anytime we don't have all the time in this world this parable tells us that God is the reaper and the truth is indeed grim if we're not where we should be he will thrust his sharp sickle And harvest the earth I pray that we would be brought to the barn there's a day coming when the Lord Jesus Christ will separate the good from the bad the wheat from the weeds and he alone knows what's in a man's heart or whether or not they profess the real faith or not and one day at the end of time the Lord will send his angels into this world and they will make the distinction But we do know that not one grain of wheat will perish and not one tear will be saved. The good seed will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom and the bad seed will be thrown in the furnace to burn. And today more than ever, this world needs to hear the spiritual truths. Imagine what it might be like at the end of time when it is revealed that someone who sat beside you in this gymnasium Or in church or maybe your neighbor somebody that's watching this morning when they discovered that they had believed a lie and they had not known the truth why didn't you tell me that why didn't you tell me and some of us are afraid and we say oh I'm sorry we we thought maybe we would offend you and they will reply who cares who cares They would exclaim, I'm lost forever and you could have helped me find Jesus Christ. May we have a direct influence upon those that come around us. May we crown him the king of kings in every moment of our life as we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and we take our time and redeem it well and we're sensitive to what God would have us to do. May the Lord bless us And be with us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord. And we pause this moment to proclaim that you are the king of kings, that you're the sovereign ruler of the universe. And Lord, we also know that you're aware of all of our needs here this morning, that you're the source of all of our blessings. And Father, we need your help so that we can trust you, that we can tap into the rewards that you promise us. Through your laws of harvest, we want to be blessed so that we can bless others in your name. May we take you at your word today, Lord. May we make that commitment to follow the scripture. May we wait with anticipation to see what you are going to do next. Not only in this life, but Lord, as we join you one day, as you come for your own. And Father, may we be sensitive to the way that we respond to those around us that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. May we nourish the wheat as we also pray for others and we share with them. And God, I pray for anyone here today that has an upset spirit, anyone listening, that they would take that step and say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Lord, I crown you the king of kings in my life. And Father, have your way in my being. I pray for people who sit here today when it comes to the thought of time in their life. That they face surgery. They face medical decisions. God, I pray that by the power of Jesus Christ, your hand would be upon them. I pray for those who that are recovering right now. I pray for Patty and the mending of her bones. I pray for Terry, Lord, as he looks into the future, that he knows that he is in your hands, and God, that you will touch him and bless him. We thank you, God, for your wonderful truths, and we give you praise and thanksgiving. Amen, amen. Hallelujah.